On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Uh-oh. Yeah, good morning and welcome to Punters Postmortem on this Monday, the 15th of August. Dave Stanley with you for another big week here on Sky Sports Radio. Really looking forward to counting down towards the weekend as uh, the good horses start to return. And we got to see on the weekend a very, very nice horse win the Rosebud. A nice colt for John O'Shea. We'll talk more about that soon. Our panel today is Chris Roots, Mitch Cohen and Simon Dinopoulos. A few texts on the text line, boys. When's Duff? Dino and Munns back. Of course, our regular punters panel crew, punters uh, post-mortem panel, I should say, is back next Monday. Dino is doing much better health-wise as well. We've had a few texts about Dino. He's been in the wars, uh, Dean Lester, which has been not good, but he's uh, rehabilitating quite well. He'll be joining us in a couple of weeks' time, ready for the spring carnival, looking at those Melbourne races. Duff is back from Europe. He's back in the uh, the frame for next Monday, and Glenn Munsey back as well. So we'll have our regular panel for Punters Postmortem back next week. But uh, today, we need your calls, 13.53.53, or you can send us a text on the text line, 0419 272. Tanya Thomas is joining us. G'day, Tanya. Morning. We've got two meetings today, Grafton and, and Scone. Scone, which was originally... Gunnedah. Yes. Yes, and that had to be moved. So we'll start with Grafton, where the weather is fine. The track is soft five. The rail is out two metres, and there are 24 scratchings. Race one at 12.30 is clear. Go to race two, take out number one, Divine Sanction, seven Nature Boy, and ten Kilmarnock, one, seven, and ten. Race three, number six, Ilari, take out six. From race four, number four, Lion King, and the emergencies, 16 and 17, four, 16, and 17. 17. Race 5, number 1, All Profit, 7, Spiel, 12, Exanic, 13, Miss Espionage, and the Emergencies, 16 and 19. 1, 7, 12, 13, 16 and 19. Race 6, number 10, Albert's in Charge, number 10. Out of race 7, number 4, Blessed Hope, 5, I'm Timmy Zoo, 11, Mighty Lucas, and 14, Solarosa. 4, 5, 11 and 14. And from race 8, number 6, Awesome Miss. 9, I'm going to cash you. 10, Prince Ali and the emergencies 18, 19 and 20. 6, 9, 10, 18, 19 and 20 from race 8 at Grafton. To Scone, the weather is fine. The track a heavy 10. The rail is true. Penetrometer 5.96 and 28 scratchings. Race one at 12.50. Take out number one, Big Time Charlie. Three, Thunder Fox. Eight, Ruby Air. And nine, Seminara. One, three, eight and nine. From race two, number nine, Rust. And 10, Syrian Star. Nine and 10. Race three, number four, King Quinn. Five Northern Borders, seven Seething Seb, nine at midnight and twelve Sistine Queen, four, five, seven, nine and twelve. From race four, number four, Prodigal Prince, number four. From race five, number two, Casino Lord, six Briefly, seven Jelani and ten Scalio, two, six, seven and ten. Race six, number one, Norman, 
2 Vital Verse, 7 Silver Scissors, 11 Cliff Singer, and the emergencies 15 and 16. 1, 2, 7, 11, 15 and 16. And out of race 7, number 3 Zoologist, 6 Auntie Moni, 8 Chestnut Scaffer, 9 Foreign Brother, 10 Moeta and 11 Proviso. 3, 6, 8, 9, 10 and 11 Dave, out of race 7, at Scone. I like it. Thank you very much for that. And we'll be back uh, very soon to preview those two meetings in New South Wales after Punners Postmortem today. Now, joining us very soon, we've got uh, Chris Roots, Mitch Cohen and Simon Anopoulos. Chris Roots is there already online. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. How was Bundy? Bundy was good. Uh, good to be up there. It's always good to uh, to catch up with your family, especially when you haven't seen them for a while and step back into the world that you used to be in. You, you get that Queensland twang back and, uh, no, had a good time, mate. Uh, didn't have... Oh, you and Marla will be able to have conversations together and understand uh, each other. Mate, you should have heard the conversation we had last night. It was like we were dead set out there at the back of Quilpie. But uh, we didn't back a winner. And that's one thing, uh, the venue that I was at, because on the, the Saturday they had a bit of a recovery party and the texts were flying in, right, and we got to get to the uh, the tab early. We got a good position, but there wasn't much cheering. And I don't think there was much cheering at Rose Hill for a number of punters. No, it was one of those days, wasn't it? I personally started to think they've got to get rid of this six or seven metre rail position. It is just every time it goes there, we get a track that is... Um, on speed and seriously on speed. Like, race Hill usually races towards leaders, but Saturday was ridiculous. The only people happy all day were the people who got the 260 shades of rose and were just counting down the hours until the last so they could collect and, and say they had a winning day because it became it became a rush to the inside fence and I think it becomes a safety issue as well because the jockeys are trying to do the best for their mounts and they're putting themselves all in the one spot, all of a sudden you've got seven horses trying to go where th- two or three should be. And we saw that with Frumos and and that was just, you know, a bad watch for anyone who'd taken the short price. Yeah, it was. No doubt we'll talk about that. Um, we want your texts 0419-767-272 or give us a call 135353. We'll head to the nation's capital. Simon Thenopoulos is joining us from Racing and Sports. G'day, Simon. Yeah, how are you? Very good, mate. Um, Chris Roots just sort of saying there, it's, it is difficult when this rail position is where it lands sometimes at Rose Hill. It can sort of, well, all that hard work and form you do leading up to it, you just throw it out the window. Yeah, it's tricky. Looking at it this morning, I mean, for the in the last, J-Mac got, he got away with murder in that race. And for the majority of the, race, the meeting, I agree with Chris to an extent, but... A lot of the leaders were just rated well in front. And usually if there is a perceived bias by the last race, they sort of overdo it or they overcompensate to an extent. But that didn't happen. J-Mac just got given an absolute picnic in front. Uh, you look at the last 600s, I think the top five last 600s were in that race of the day. And J-Mac has led from the front at a walk and sprinted home. So the only really solid run race, the way we look at things, was race two. And that was across the track and obviously a very close finish. So I just think the leaders were very well rated in front across the day. And as a result, if you're rated well in front, you're going to be hard to run down. Okay, very interesting. Uh, Mitch Cohen joins us from RaceNet. Uh, Mitch, good morning to you. Welcome back to, to Punters Postmortem. How was your Saturday? Did you find something? No, I didn't. 
no. <laughs> to, to put it bluntly, no. I, and I also didn't get in on the action of uh, of Shades of Rose early. Um, who did have that forty thousand dollar bet? Was that you, the Rudder? I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't anywhere near that race. No. Um, there was some big money uh, flying around for Shades of Rose. Well, let's talk about Shades of Rose. Um, let, I'll start with you here, Simon. So, obviously, uh, was very, very well backed. Uh, if you were on at the two sixty, as um, as Chris alluded to early, obviously with the even with scratchings, you've, you've still shopped well. Were you surprised how easy the horse got away with it in front? Oh, very easy. Yeah, I'll, I mean, as I said, J Mac got away with absolute blue murder in front. I think the race was over after 200 metres, really. And then able to stack them up and then sprint them home. Uh, she's ran 33.60 last 600, not pressured. And in terms of finishing speed against the overall race speed, it's 105%. Generally around Rose 1100, you get down 101%. So she was a 13-pound markup on what we do. So a good performance, well-rated in front. Very interested to see where they go to next. Uh, generally, these horses, leaders up in grade for me is always a bit of a niggle, um, but we clearly didn't really see what was under the bonnet there on the weekend and haven't seen her in race conditions going faster in front. So if she's able to then extend that, um, she's certainly a promising mare. What about um, yourself, Chris? Uh, obviously, good performance from Shades of Rose. Uh, any discussion with Bjorn as to where they want to head with this horse? It's, a, it's an interesting one for them because... I've got a real doubt about it stretching to uh, to twelve hundred meters, and that's that's its um that was its sweet spot on the weekend. Get an easy lead and use use the, spe- the top speed it's got. You've got to remember that this horse is going to be is, is probably getting towards it. Got to probably two more benchmark runs in it. I'd say now whether they want to push the button and go to a black tight race straight away, they could probably get another two two nice uh, benchmark wins out of it and keep it. Keep it in the keep it in in its grade for a little bit longer, which which would might be a little bit more profitable than going to black top straight away because I think just probably needs another another six months of seasoning to to be able to cope with the pressure it's going to cop as soon as it goes to the front in those sort of races. Mate, uh, what about uh, yourself, Mitch? What did James say afterwards? Oh, they were both impressed, both Bjorn and um, James, before and after the race. Um, look, she's, it's nothing that uh, we sort of didn't hear um, from Bjorn and, and James two weeks ago when she won. They, they both think she's, she's got the ability to go to, to stakes races. But as Ruta said, why rush there when you can race for 150000 um, every week and, and win another couple of benchmark races and, um, and keep going that fast? I mean, we've got to remember she's... Now she's getting deeper in her approach. She's, she's, that was a fourth run on Saturday, if you count um, the day that she buck jumped first up. Um, seems like a, a long time ago now, uh, given the performance she's put in since. Um, but yeah, she, she'll, she'll wind up in a stakes race eventually. It's just, um, just a matter of when it will be. Okay. Uh, Zuccarino uh, was very good in the Rosebud. Um, I'll come to you here, Simon. There's a text on the text line. Hi, guys. Was on Zuccarino early doors in the all-in market with Tab. Um, just want the opinion from the boys. Love a cult that wants to take a gap and seems to fight. Um, look, I don't know the depth behind him in the uh, the rosebud, but geez, uh, he was impressive, wasn't he, for a cult to do what he did? Yeah, I think the biggest plus for him is to make the jump from only a maiden straight to a lucid race, and as you mentioned, you know, dive through obviously the second or spacewalk threw it away. James wanted to lay in, and James just had to straighten him up, and that's costing the race. And if you're on spacewalk. Obviously, you're still sick, but Zuccarino 
always hard with an unbeaten horse as to, you know, how do you determine what their ceiling is. In terms of the Rosebud overall historically, probably down on recent years. We've seen some good winners of this race in recent times. Certainly Paleli last year was unreal and then in the Congo came out and beat him in the San Domenico despite the big weight swing off that race. So I'll be surprised if these progress to the top level, as in the Golden Rose. We did see in the Congo do it, but I would say this looks to be a bit of a down year, but no knock on the winner, just whether he can keep making those jumps going forward now. Chris? Yeah, I thought the the winner was very good. The second horse, well, he just looked to overreact, didn't it? And if you're on at the $26, as I know a couple of people were, they would have been, would have been sitting to watch. Um, interesting, John O'Shea did say before the race that he, he thought he'd get to this level, but they missed a run to get to this, to go to this race. Well, now it's there, it's got to stay there. And I think you'll see, see, see this horse go through its grades and, just got the feeling of a horse that's going to get better as it gets towards seven and and beyond. What about the uh, what was the the news come out of this one, Mitch? Oh, he's a nice horse. I think um, just to echoing what the boys said, he's he's it, was it a vintage edition of the race? Oh, probably not. Um, but I think a few of these horses, um, I wouldn't mind following heading towards a race like the Spring Champion, a horse like uh, Cabal, who finished fourth. I thought um, he was pretty good. Um, all things considered, I think it was maybe too short for him. Um, but yeah, look, there was a few in the beaten brigade that, um, like the Sabinac, Voldemort, um, psychiatrist, he was just, um, well, he was ridden upside down and, and pulled away. So, um, look, it, it, I don't think, um, this is the race we're probably going to be hedging our form on when we look to races like the, uh, the Golden Rose and Run to the Rose and things like that. Mm. Um, just on uh, some of the beat McGrath, just having a look at the uh, the stewards' report. So obviously, um, with with a horse like um, uh, Spacewalk, what what do you do assessment wise moving forward, Simon? Based on that that run on the weekend, I will be surprised if they come out and beat Spacewalk off that. I okay. think obviously, obviously still learning his craft in terms of sectionals and where his position in the race. He was clearly the run of the race. And he will be the one I'd be taking out of the race. The fact people now suspect he has a little chink is probably fantastic from a punting perspective because you trust the stable and jockey to sort it out. And if you're going to get a better price as a result of that, well, you know, happy days. Interesting one with Kabu. I was surprised he did start as short as he did. And I think Mitch is right. Over further, he's certainly one to follow. Back in trip, alpha break on Saturday, had the favours on speed, he stuck on all right, but yeah, probably won't see the best of that horse until he gets to a mile. And they're the two I would probably take out of it. All right, uh, we've got a call on the line, Mark. G'day, Mark. Yes, good morning, all. Uh, I managed to find a couple there on on uh, Saturday at Rose Hill. But the one that really concerns me this morning is the running of race seven and the tussle that took place from the 250 metres down to the winning post, if anybody noticed the amount of pressure that was being put between three horses. Referring to the monophilicity? That's correct. Mark? Yeah. Yeah, I think you had... That was a result... Sorry, go, Chris. That was a result of the track, I think, more than anything. They, They were riding to where the bias was and... They just all went for the one run and, you know, as I said, it becomes, you know, is this a safety issue? Because, you know, the jockeys are, jockeys are going to do, uh, are required to do the, the best, all in their powers to win. 
to get the best possible position, and that's what the riders were doing. They went out five or six off the fence. It was like they were basically giving away a length and a half. So they went to where they thought was the best position to try and win the race. Well, at the 500 metres, one Felicity gave up a very good position of being third on the fence. So um, and a couple of them came down the rail and did all right on Saturday, mate. So that's just my eyes of it. And I also felt when I arrived on Saturday morning, the track looked to me like it should have been rolled. Right on, Mark. Beautiful. Thank you very much for your call. So we're getting back to that uh, same issue. So, Simon, you're in the camp of that there was no perceived bias on the weekend? Oh, I'm not going to say there was no perceived no, okay. bias, but, but I would say that a lot of it, uh, the leaders were very well rated in front. The way we look at time uh, at racing and sport, the leaders were very well rated. So that being the case, if you're going to run time from the front, um, you're going to be hard to run down. Titanium Power, perfect example of that out of his grade on Saturday and was able to run as well as he did. I don't think Jay Ford could have got it any better and he's just not good enough at that level. But I think a lot of the leaders, especially Shades of Rose and Lars, they gave for that race. Regina the same, Conscript the same. So it's hard for me to say there was perceived bias when the leaders were given a picnic in front. So have you got any... Is that a regular thing? Or, or you is go, that a Chris. regular thing at Rose Hill? Is that a regular thing at Rose Hill, though, that leaders... Um, tend to get a better time in front there, just the way the track races? To an extent. I mean, I think leaders get a, the favours at most tracks in Australia. We tend to wear fast and then slow down and then sprint home. That's how we run all our races. Rose Hill, I think, certainly the 1100 uh, favours more on speed runners than what you would expect from Ramwick, um, although different distances, 11 and 12. So on the weekend, you had, I mean, various distances. Um, but I think, you know, a horse like Raging Bull, who's come right down the outside in that race, there was obviously a bit of a train wreck at the 200. But if there was this perceived bias, how big a plus are you giving Raging Bull's win? That's always a danger for me when you're looking at bias. You don't want to overcompensate or give other horses too much credit for the win because then, as a result, you're going to be backing Raging Bull wherever it goes next start as he was, able, he was able to overcome the perceived bias. So what I will say, if you're on speed on the weekend, if you led at Rose Hill, you've certainly got an easy time of it and I would definitely be hard against those horses going forward. Very, very interesting. What was the... To, to come out of the... Uh... The press room there on the weekend, uh, Mitch, just from interviews and whatnot, was that the same feeling from participants? Uh, I think the Frumos race, if you if you look at the steward report and um, of Ray uh, Ray Thomas wrote a yarn on it, um, I guess the the questioning of of Huey Bowman and his sort of decision making to to stay closer to the inside um, because that was I guess where the perceived better ground was and and the pattern of the day was. Um, it's interesting to, uh, what Simon's saying with, with times and that because I think the general perception on track on the day was it was on speed, the fence is where you need to be to win. Um, but interesting on those figures. But the, the general thought across most people were were in the camp that, uh, that Ruder is. Okay. Um, do we need to then do more education, Simon? I know we've spoken about this before, but you're obviously using... You know, a, a data at RNS um, to to, to analyse these races. You know, because obviously we're watching these races and we're not fully understanding possibly the extras that are going on. So, I mean, do we need to be more educating as broadcasters, as etc., or, or how do we how 
how do we combat this? Because I'll, I'll be honest, where I was standing in the TAB that I was standing at in Bundy at the pub, you could hardly hear any audio, and it just looked like the rail was an escalator, and everyone's just trying to back back leaders. But if we were sort of more under, you know, if we had more information, I don't know. Is it? Is it is it it's not so much information, but if we had more understanding, maybe we could be becoming a better punter, which I guess is what we want to be. Yeah, I think the it's very easy for me to come in on Monday when I've got access to all the data and able to analyse the times and can actually work out how fast the jockeys went. When you're watching it on a Saturday, you're at the races. I was in the same boat watching the races on Saturday. It was leaders' paradise, it was a travelator up the fence, all those things. But then coming in on Monday, coming in this morning and looking at the times, you sort of have to re-evaluate the meeting because going forward from a form perspective, um, that's what you've you know you've got to sort out. But I think in saying all of that, I, w- I would be against the leaders from Saturday going forward simply because they did get such an easy time of it, which, again, plays up to the same narrative as the bias. Those who saw the bias on the weekend or perceived bias are going to be against those horses going forward. So I think it's really hard, especially with times, because if you do your times right, you can't actually do anything until the end of the meeting. Um, you, you know, You can sort of use standards after one race, but you've got no idea how quick the ground is until you get a full meeting, or you need at least, a, you'd like to think, half a meeting, if not more than that, to have an accurate depiction of what the ground is. And without a depiction of what the ground is, you've got no idea how fast the meeting was in general. So, yeah, I think live, doing the broadcast, I think it's very, very hard to give that information accurately. Um, and if you were on the weekend suggesting that there was on pace bias, I don't really think um, that was wrong. That's what happened in terms of what you could see at the time. You didn't know until the end of the meeting, really. All right, let's talk about uh, the fifth race because there's a stack of texts about it. I'll come to you here, Chris. Uh, Frumos, obviously, yeah, went down. Uh, very short price favourite. Um, the winner was quite good, though, for Rachel King. Uh, possibly a, a, a mare that we're going to see pop up in one of these, you know, better races over the carnival. Yeah, it was it was, it was good out in front. Got, got all the breaks and... What you found there on Saturday, I think this plays into the Raisin Bull narrative, is horses that didn't lose their momentum had a big advantage as well. So there was a lot of horses that, because they were going for the same run, they were losing their momentum, which gave horses that kept their momentum a big advantage. So when you when you, when you you look at it, and I know Simon talks about times and things like that, it's times can tell you so much, but what you see with your eye can tell you a lot more that if you see a horse rolling into a race and not losing its momentum, like Raging Bull did, it gets a it gets a huge advantage, and probably you can take a couple a, a length off that run just because it. While everyone else was checking and looking where they were going, that's the horse that had their momentum. You're on Fumos. It was just a disaster, wasn't it? You could see you could see what was going to happen. It was like watching a a, a car wreck on from the Formula One off the off the start line, where you can see it coming from from about fifty or sixty meters out, and you knew you're just hoping that he that Huey could find a gap. He didn't, and he ended up with a horse full of lap full of horse, as did Hope in Your Heart, another one with a lap full of horse that never got a run, and. You just got to put a line through the run and say that's racing and move on. Like stewards had to ask questions, but Huey's answers were exactly what everyone saw. You know, I went, I took the odds to it. I went for the inside run because that's where you had to be. I couldn't get a run. What am I supposed to do? I'm not George Jensen. I can't fly over the top of them. Mm. What about um, uh, we're talking about? You know, runs in this race, Simon, or runs in general. 
Um, what do you do with a horse like uh, Frumos? And then also with, with Hope in Your Heart, who look to be completely sick. Yeah, it's very hard in terms of... Uh, this is where I guess your, your FPs is what you would take out of the race. But Hope in Your Heart started 16-1, got beat five lengths. So you'd imagine you're going to have an angle there next time for Hope in Your Heart. You'd, the big SP is going to anchor it, whereas Frumos, we're not really going to get anything out of it. She's now anchored to that price, obviously was very unlucky, so she's going to go around similar odds in a similar race next time. But I think there probably is an opportunity with Hope in Your Heart. Um, with that SP of 16-1, to 1, that is an anchor for its starting price next time. So probably going to get a chance to back it uh, in a similar race. What did it actually mean on the weekend in terms of how unlucky it was? You're not really sure until you get to see this form again. Going into the race, I thought it was Frumos and Frumos only. I didn't really think much of the rest. Rajuna, obviously well-rated on speed by Rachel King. Good winner, you know, trending the right way. Um, not form I'd want to find, but if you if you follow Hope in Your Heart next start, I suppose you want to find out. Frumos, doubt we're going to get a betting opportunity with her. Love to see her get to Ramwick, I think. I thought Regina got to a price where you could have backed it at $6, and I backed Hoping, Hoping Your Heart. I thought it should have been much shorter on its three-year-old Phillies races. If you took off the two runs at, in the winery in the Oaks where Kerry, tried to, Kerry Parker tried to um, test it over a distance, I think it's a miler, and I think it's it's a horse going forward that you, you've got to be with. It did run, it has, has got a group three placing, placing there. So, Okay. Mitch, uh, what was the feedback out of the fifth? Uh, there was plenty of feedback out of this, really. Um, <laughs> Huey, was, uh, Huey was in the stewards room for uh, almost two to three races between races, um, getting fairly grilled um, yeah. by Mark Van Gessel over yeah. the side. Um, but, it's, I mean, what was he supposed to do? Um, the, the thought before, from many before the race, who I was talking to, is did you want to be on the dollar ninety after after the first four races when, when horses on speed on the fence, when you knew she was going back anyway? Um, I guess the the first sort of 200 metres was where, when he once he landed on the fence after 200 metres, um, well, it had all the recipes for disaster once he got into the straight. He had three horses in front of him, um, and he was quizzed on why, where and why he was, why he was riding for luck um, behind three horses who were all at double-figure odds, but um, he had nowhere to go. He, he, he was going towards the fence, but I mean, once he got it at the top of the straight, there was there was nowhere he could go, um, and it was the, the winner was off and gone at that point anyway. Um, I don't think even if he got out, do, do we think he would have caught, caught the winner? Uh, I, I doubt it. Um, she she was bounding clear coming into the straight, so um, I think she would have been pretty hard to run down um, anyway. But uh, hoping your heart. Don't speak about it too much, uh, there, Chris. I was, uh, I'm hoping to get a price about it next. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just on uh, two things. Um, I know that that's obviously the the, the way it works. But uh, just in general, Chris, are you a fan of that uh, that grilling in between races? Is, can that be off putting for a uh, for a jock if there's rides coming up, etc.? I think for an experienced jockey like Hugh Bowman, the first lot of lot of. Um, Grilling is expected, but it's when it goes on for a couple of races can start playing on their minds. Other more inexperienced jockeys, it can you can see the effect on them as they're coming out for the next race, next couple of races, because they get unsettled and things like that. The last thing we want is that is jockeys to be unsettled by a mistake they made early in the day, which is compounded by getting asked several questions about it. But this is the way things are done in Sydney. Mm. I know in other 
jurisdictions they can they move it back. I know in Brisbane, I've been in Brisbane where you're we're sitting outside the stewards' room at half past seven, quarter of the way at night, and missing your dinner booking. So, um, and they're finishing at four thirty. So, it's one of those ones. Do you um, do you get the evidence when it's fresh in everyone's mind? I think you've got to. I think as soon as something like that, uh, an incident happens, you've got to get them straight in and get the evidence so that so that the, you get their first thoughts before they've had time to think about it, about it. But then where do you where do you stop it and where 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 does it stop? So um, mostly it's only it's only in rare occasions where you get these um, long inquiries though when when it's when it's a serious interference or or, or one a ride they're very concerned about. So um, it's one of those ones I think tradition says we do it this way. In a in a way, I I see see the benefits of getting evidence straight away. But if you have it hanging over them for the rest of the day, does it affect the, the jockey thinking? Oh, I'm going to do time. I've got to try harder, or you know, what am I going to? What's going to happen to me over this? So, it's um, it's half a dozen of one and six of the other. Um, in regards to uh, the market, I know that obviously stewards had a um, uh, you know, uh, you can read in the stewards report, but did the market get it wrong? Uh, did the punter get it wrong here, guys? Just as a general question, because it's not like Frumos was meant to be leading the race. That was the expectation on from watching Formline, from seeing speed maps come out, from racing yourself Wales, from everyone. We knew the position in which the horse was going to be. So was it surprising that it was backed the way it was and it wasn't drifting late in the market considering what had happened, you know, six times, five times before it, Simon? I think I think from I a think... perspective, no. Okay. Um, if you didn't have Frumos odds on, on Saturday, it sort of, you've probably missed something. Um, very easy to draw straight lines through Sir Lemur, Torfeek Lass. You know, Torfeek Lass got out to 11 to 1. So that was, I think that was the big market correction from earlier in the week. Torfeek Lass was second pick. Rajuna's obviously started second pick on the weekend at 5 to 1. So I don't think so. Um, in terms of did you want to take a dollar ninety out to 200 metres? Probably not. But in terms of on form alone, which is what anchors mainly the market, you'd have to market odds on. Chris? Yeah, I thought it was was going to get to that sort of... It stayed pretty static in the market. Like, it was even money and it started a dollar ninety. There wasn't anything that moved it. But what happens with these horses that keep winning and have uh, picket fences next to their line? The punters gravitate to them. And also, the form just said, it's it's got a it's got a couple of lengths on this and it's very well placed. So, you know, when you're, when you're looking at that, you're just going, well, do I want to get... The, and bookmakers obviously didn't want to take risk with it. Like, they, they never got it out, like... They would have got plenty if they got out with a two in front of it. I'm thinking closer to the race because there would have been plenty of people who would have said, "This is this is just better than than this this field." So Fremont is just better than this field. So in in a way, I don't think it was backed. It just held its position in the market because that's where it should have been. That's where it should have been, and probably should have been if it was a fair if it was a fair fair track and fair and you weren't playing to a leader leader bias, um, it would have um, shortened. So you know that's the they're the they're the factors that you're looking at. So, I think it's more the fact that it was it was it was considered just just a, a better horse than the ones in the race, and even with things against it, it was going to hold its place in the market. 
Let's get to race number two. And before we take a break, and then we'll discuss uh, some of the races down there in Melbourne with Simon, just to get uh, you know a, a touch on uh, Uncommon James, etc. But, um, geez, uh, uh, back row. I know there was some, some good money around for back row. I wasn't there in the second. And I think Tommy and Michael thought they might have won it. Simon. Yeah. Yeah, what a race. Uh, you didn't really know where to look. And then I still think it's all the 200. You wouldn't think the winner was going to be the winner. Um, back row obviously came through, got the split, and then they've all come to the line. Interesting to see from a form perspective how this stacks up going forward. We had a mix of the swamp form there on the weekend. Horses coming off those really heavy tracks and then getting onto the firmer surfaces on the weekend. Always a niggle for me when you see four or five stretched across the track. And the fact that the race was so solely run, which to me tells me that's the form um, in terms of upside for those horses. I'm not sure there is a lot there. Obviously, they can improve uh, into their preparation, but I would be, if a large portion of this race goes to another race, I would be looking for a different form in that race. Chris? I think this is the race that sort of said to everyone, back to the fence looks the way to go because the horse went back to the fence to win it. It's it's interesting. Like We're talking about track bias and that. I don't think it was the surface of the track that that um, that created the bias on Saturday. Let's get that straight. I think it was the configuration of the track having the rail out six or seven metres. I think that that um, that that starting point is our leader's track at Rose Hill. So um, I think the surface was probably served up perfectly well. It's just that when you get that six and seven metre rail, it's back to the fence. It's just it, it might just be the way the way the track tracks configured at that at that at that um rail so um i thought in this race when you looked at it the horse that stayed to the fence just had all the favors it just looked like it had a shorter way home and mitch what about the news to come out of back rowers race um yeah this was where my downward spiral started <laughs> on the punching day because i was on back rower uh and uh yes i thought i was home but um no i think uh the winner is here, the one that, um, look, I thought was, he's, he's still pretty raw. Chris has said that he wants to head towards uh, spring champion stakes um, with him. I would imagine a few of the horses he's beaten on Saturday will be heading on a, a similar path. Um, the race at Chris is, when was the last time he won it? It'd be Vanbrugh, maybe? Uh, five or six years ago would probably be the last time Chris won that race, but um, yeah, this that was only his second start, so you'd imagine he's only going to improve um, it's the further he gets into this first preparation. Then, as he gets over further, um, he was he was decent first up. Um, that was also against when he when he got beaten by Major Beale, who was right there on Saturday. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see Major Beale sort of follow a similar path towards a Spring Champion uh, later in this preparation. But yeah, I think look. Um, there was a few of these that were, I think, nominated for the Rosebud as well. This is obviously the other three-year-old race on the card, um, stepping out over 1,300 metres. So, uh, look, I'd, I'd be keen to follow up you, the winner um, as he gets up in trip over the spring. I don't think you'll see him taking on the, um, maybe a race like the Dulcify would be more um, where we'll see him next. Mm. Okay, perfect. We're going to take a break. It's 9.41 on Sky Sports Radio. If you are keen to get involved with Punters Postmortem, give us a call, 13 53 53 and call now. You're listening to Sky Sports Radio and Punters Postmortem. You most certainly are, and it is 9.43. Simon Thanopoulos, Mitch Cohen and Chris Roots are your panel today, and we're taking your calls 
on 13 53 53. We've got a couple of calls too. Bob's on the line. G'day, Bob. How are you, guys? Good, mate. What's your question to the boys? Um, the horse that came second on Saturday at Rose Hill, I think it was called Space Talk or Space Walk. Yes, yeah, Space Walk. About 200 out, it just seemed to do a Brad Fittler sidestep. Uh, does anyone know why? what happened there? As to why it did that? What was the uh, what came out in the stewards' report, Chris? It just uh, wanted to lay in under pressure, didn't it? Yeah, and then he and over overreacted to James's correction. I think. Yeah, Mitch was there. He 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 would have um he would have heard what the stewards said. Yeah. So in the stewards' report, it's got here race keenly in the early stages. Over the final two hundred meters, was inclined to lay in near the fifty meter mark when corrected by its rider to avoid causing interference to Caboo. Lost ground. When it was shifted out, so um, just some some head smarts there. Shifted like that, it probably would have won the race. Yeah, um, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> no need to remind all the people on the good all improv. Hundred <laughs> percent. Thank you, Bob. Uh, we've got Greg on the line from Murray Bateman. G'day, Greg. Yeah, g'day, Dave. How are you, mate? Good, mate. What's your question? Oh, I just wanted to quickly, um, you know, just a uh, big note myself a little bit. I actually picked um, Oakfield Arrow in race three there, and I was extremely happy with the um, with the result there on the tote, and um, that was my big win for the day. But um, with regards to Frumos and the track, I just wanted to touch on that, and I think, um, you know, any sort of decent punter out there that knows Rose Hill is always going to be, um, you know, should be looking for leaders and, and things, you know, and horses settling on the rail and, and trying to take advantage of the horses out in the lead. And so I think... Um, um, you know, it was all on the table there for the punters to take on the weekend. And, um, you know, if you're lucky enough to, to pick the right one, you could, you could have got one at good odds. And I'll be looking forward to this weekend coming. OK. All right. Uh, so what about comment on race three and five? Yeah, so I just wanted to say uh, in regards to, to Frumos, um, I think Huey Bowman, um, you know, it was a little bit surprising that um, he didn't probably, you know, go for a change of tactics and try and settle a little bit further on pace there with Frumos. But I don't think he had a lot of options. He had a bit of traffic and and, had, and went back and just tried to make the best of a bad situation. And just a bit of bad luck. But I'll be on Frumos next start, gentlemen. And I think, um, you know, Huey Bowman, uh, you know, long term, uh, is definitely a top gun rider and um, I'll be backing him to come back from here, that's for sure. Okay, beautiful. All right, thank you very much for that, Greg. Uh, we've got a text on the text line here about no compromise. Your thoughts on no compromise, uh, boys? Uh, considering the way these races were run, is it going to be in for a big preparation? Simon? Yeah, he's my horse to follow. Very oh. good, very good. Yeah, no, he was, uh, he was sneaky good on the weekend. Uh, no compromise. You look at the closing splits, the majority of them came in the last race, but then no compromise pokes his way into the top 10, especially and gets inside the top five for the last 200. So he was smoking the line and obviously 1,400 well short of his best and looks to be back in great order, as is the stable mate, Surefire, the winner of the race. But, yeah, I think hopefully no compromises run goes unnoticed, but obviously not. So, yeah, definitely want to follow for me. <laughs> it's, uh, with with a, a horse like, say that, no, just with your data, Simon, Yeah. Um, so obviously you assess the way in which that race was uh, run and won. How much do you tack on to, uh, to, your, to your points? I think for obviously no compromise, there's two ways of doing it. From a form perspective, he's obviously ran below his best, but in terms of where he was previously first up in other preparations, he's ahead. So the way I would approach him is that when he gets to, I guess, a perceived, not grand final, but 
a perceived peak, say third up or fourth up this preparation, I will tack on what he's tacked onto his first up run. So he, for us, he's improved five pounds first up on what he had done previously. So I would suspect maybe once he gets to his preferred trip uh, that you can add five pounds to his master rating, which then, you know, you can mark him a lot shorter in those races when he gets there and you can sort of see him making that jump because form-wise he hasn't run any better than he has previously, but you know he's done it over an unsuitable trip, which suggests he has come back better. And then when he gets to a suitable trip, that's when we will see him improve that rating. So, yeah, really interesting horse going forward. And the same for Surefire. He ran a new peak for us, which... An even bigger push uh, than no compromise for him to do it over that trip. So he looks to be back in really, really good order. Yeah, really interesting. How do you, how, Simon, how do you look at Shawfire? Because he's usually been 2,000 metres, his comeback. Chris has obviously got speed into his legs to put him over 1,400 first up. Um, where where do we do we say he's Caulfield Cup bound? We know he's going to, going to stay eventually, That's the and that's the target. It's the same connections as Finch, so they're they're looking for a Caulfield Cup or a Melbourne Cup. So, how do we how do we approach it going forward? Will it have a will it flat will it have a flatter run second up or and then go again third up? Is that the sort of um, pattern with these sort of horses? Yeah, he's really tricky look at, isn't it, Chris? Because obviously first up here he ran over two thousand, then twenty four and thirty two, and then Chris has kicked him off over fourteen. So generally, with Chris's stayers, they go to the mile next you'd imagine and then maybe have another run or go to 2000 but he made really quick jumps last time in whether that's because they ran out of time getting him to a Sydney Cup so they had to get him there quickly uh, whereas this time they've obviously got more time to get him uh, to that staying trip so going to mile next start he's very very interesting because he showed plenty of speed there on the weekend and I wouldn't really be concerned about him being flat second up I think that win held plenty of merit and clearly the horse to take out of the race him and no compromise for me I think he can put the rest away. They won't be making you any money, but I'd imagine we can follow Surefire. Where he goes in terms of grade is obviously up to the Chris Wallace stable, but it'll, yeah, be, the, it'll be the Chelmsford. Is he, Chris said after yeah. the race, he'll be, uh, he'll be heading to the Chelmsford next start with him, so um, you can see him over yeah, the in Saturday. That, make, that makes sense. That makes sense at late for age because you don't do your handicap as well as, uh, as much in a, in a late for age race. The other thing with no compromise. He probably stays in the handicap, so you can probably find him in a mile handicap somewhere. You'll find him in a mile handicap, or even eight eight hundred at race. He might be his go. So it's just finding Chris will have a Chris will have all that planned out already, and, and yeah, I dare sorry, say, yeah. How many? Um, there wouldn't be many Judmon horses in Australia, would there, boys? I mean, we've obviously got uh, what was that stayer that Chris had, uh, which I don't think. Finch. Yeah. It's the same same it's the same it's the same um And obviously Maximel. So that, yeah, Maximel too. Yeah, Maximel Maximel's a different one where it, it come out and it's still it's still an entire, so it's um it's looking to make itself into a stallion for Rosemont. Mm. Okay, boys. Uh let's go to Melbourne here, Simon, because this uncommon James was very, very impressive continuing uh the picket fence. I know that obviously uh, a lot of our eyes on the panel here were on what was happening in Sydney, but uh, they brought this horse down from Queensland, Uncommon James, and he won with ears pricked. Yeah, I thought interesting one, wasn't he, Uncommon James? He ran really good figures at Eagle Farm and Doombin, and then, you know, where we knew, just waiting for him to bob up, where was he going to go? And then saw him in the race, and we thought, oh, you know, we're going to get a bet out of this. But we weren't the only one that was waiting for him because obviously started very short on the weekend. 
little bit of jostle at the top of the straight, but once he got clear, he put him to the sword and very, very promising sprinter going forward. Did that off 35-day break on the weekend, new peak, and that fits right in line with the five-year average for the regal roller. So really, really promising sprinter, obviously down in the weights on the weekend, but yeah, I'll be wanting to follow him and very intrigued to see where they go with him now. Yeah. Have you heard any news on the grapevine, Chris, about this horse? I mean, uh, obviously every time we see a horse winning well in a sprint race, um, especially it's sort of, you know, listed and above, we start to think, oh, okay, is is this a new kid on the block? Has there been any whispers around Sydney Town about Uncommon James? Not yet, but I'd say he'd stay in Melbourne for a couple more runs there. A race like the Gilgai or something like that. Um, um, I think it's the Gilgai, the, the next the 1,200-metre race at Flemington. Geez, I, I wish Rangers had helped, held him in at the top of the straight. It would have made it a little bit more interesting. Just another one of the seconds I back for the for the for the weekend. Um, just doing the way I look at it, Rangers Rangers form form is fairly much exposed, so you know which what level it's at. Uncommon Jones, obviously at that level and beyond already. So you know, I I think you can see it going to group racing and making the trans uh, the step up very easily. So. I think you'll you'll see it in group twos and group threes, and maybe even in a group one or a non-group one if someone wants to pick it up. And what about um, uh, just uh, continuing there? The PB Lawrence uh, in Melbourne. We saw Mister Brightside uh, get the job done. I was really impressed with Iron's I am Superman, Simon. Yeah, really easy race to race. Uh, you've got solid form profiles for horses over this distance in I am Superman and Buffalo River. So pretty confident where Mister Brightside sits off that rating and. Could have seen back off the Doncaster win there on the weekend, so he's a nice horse. We're sort of, I guess we're waiting for these horses to emerge and sort of fill the holes uh, in our weight for age ranks, and Mr Brightside took a step forward there on the weekend to suggest he can progress to that level. I thought Regal Power was really good first up. He's one to follow as he gets out over further, but yeah, good return. He got every, to be fair, he got the PR of PRs, and Craig Williams gave him a great ride, and he's fallen in to beat I'm Superman and Buffalo River, so... I could understand if people were a bit of a chink on the win for Mr. Brightside, but I think given it was first up, uh, we'd expect him to improve second, third, fourth up into his campaign. And what about Giga Kick? Because uh, I got to see this race, the Vane, and Alpha One obviously has been uh, has been ticking over nicely for the Snowdens, but, geez, uh, this Giga Kick, that last 50, the tenacity to, to want to win, he's a racehorse. Yeah, I'll admit Dave, I got this race completely wrong. I thought Giga Kick and Alpha One were extremely well found in the market and I leant towards the other horses in the race and I guess the better performed horses coming back from a break, but they certainly made a liar out of me. They cleared out. Randall Quinella, I think Alpha One now is a niggle going beyond 1,100 metres. I think he's been, he had all the favours there for Damien Lane and he's been run down. So I think you can sort of leave Alpha, Alpha One there. Giga Kick, really good win. Big step forward off his win at Flemington first up. You'd imagine he'll be better as he gets to 1,200 as well. And I thought the third horse was a really good run first up. As he gets over further, he looks a nice colt. So I think of the two three-year-old features on the weekend, I would lean to the vein as the better form. Okay. Did, right. um, what rating did you get that race at? Because the time was really quick. Yeah, so Giga Kick ran 103, and as reference to the race in Sydney, Zuccarina ran 100. So marginally quicker or better of the two, uh, I guess, three-year-old races on the weekend. So in terms of where it stacks up historically, it's right on average uh, for the vein, whereas the Rosebud we saw right down. So you'd have to lean towards the vein as the pick of the two. I think Bifferweth won that race, didn't it, a couple of years ago? 
going back. Yeah, the mighty bivouac. The mighty, yeah, the mighty bivouac. I know, I know he's one of yours, so what did he rate? Yeah, he ran 119 plus and absolutely assaulted the clock back then. Yeah, 2019 and obviously went on. So it was no bivouac there on the weekend, uh, but a really nice performance nonetheless. We're going to take another break on Punters Postmortem. When we return, we're going to get the horses to follow from our team of Simon Thedopoulos, Mitch Cohen and Chris Roots. And if you do have a call or a question, now's your last chance. 13.53.53, give us a ring. This is Punters Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. It most certainly is. It is 9.57, and thanks to all the texts that have rolled in this morning on the text line, uh, lots of uh, questions here about the uh, the Sydney races. Uh, just a couple on the trials and the week ahead. Now, I know you did a little article uh, with James Cummings uh, for RaceNet, Mitch, about uh, the, the week ahead. I think we're going to see a stern, aren't we? Uh, did I? No. Are we going to see? We, no, not a, not. We, yeah, I, I did see that the other day. Where is uh, where is it? Uh, gee, you're travelling, Mitch. You can't remember what you've. He's writing, Dave, he's writing that many stories, mate. I know, mate. Un- unstoppable. Well, there's no one else doing any work there at race. No, it's only Mitch Cohen. Dave, you're still trying to get over Saturday. So. We're talking about Animo. Aren't we? Animo, not a stern. What am I talking about? <laughs> what am I talking about? A stern. Gee, that's the last winner I backed. Uh, Animo, yes. What's happening with Animo? Well, we've got the wing stakes, Dave. <laughs> stern. Anything. No wonder you had me so confused. So we've got the wing stakes uh, this Saturday, uh, Dave. He's, he's the 250 favourite, and that's where we're expecting him to line up. It'll just be. Uh, I, the last I'd spoken to James, there hadn't been a decision yet on Cascadian, and I know uh, he's one of Simon's as well there. Um, mm. If he was going to go to the Winks or the uh, the Memphis Stakes a week later. So um, we'll be interested to see that on uh, on Wednesday, um, if, if they do accept with him. What... Um... Just the, the makeup of this wing stakes. Obviously, first group one here in Sydney for the season, Chris. Um, it's pretty early, isn't it? What is it? Uh, it even though the, the carnival, the Everest carnival, hasn't officially isn't officially starting for a few weeks, it's it's like springs here. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And this is uh, one of the byproducts of the Sydney Melbourne War that we've been going on for the for the million year war we've had. This 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 race got its group one status after the Menzi Stakes was elevated when it probably shouldn't have been. So if Sydney had to have a 1400 metre race that was a group one early in the season. Whether it's too early, um, I think a lot of people would argue that it probably is. It's not a it's not a target race. It's a it's more a race that you you use to get to where you're going. But um, the way Winks won it and gave it the rating, it got the rating that was able to make it a group one. And so it, it's it's usually a very useful tool going forward. So um, looking forward to seeing Profondo back again. We'll just see if see if he can. Um, live up to his spring form from last year rather than his autumn form. So I know they've done a lot of work with him, um, put him over the show jumps and things like that. He's been, he's, um, he'll, he'll be, he'll have a lot of interest. I think if Animo or Astern is there, whichever, whether, whichever one it is, Dave, um, will they'll, they'll, that'll be the top of the market. So we'll, we'll just have a look and see where these horses are. And of course it's 1400 first up for most of them. There's, uh, there's not many that will be coming through, um, the missile. So we'll just um, it'll be a bit of um, guessing and backing your opinion of where, what horse will spit well fresh. Uh, big day, isn't it? Wink Stakes Group One on Saturday, fourteen hundred. Silver Shadow Stakes Group Two at twelve hundred. The Show County Quality Group Three at twelve hundred. The Toy Show 
1100, the Premier's Cup. Um, and then once we get past Saturday, it just starts to, to up and roll, doesn't it, Simon? Yeah, really looking forward to it. We sort of are getting out of winter now. It's getting a bit warmer and the good horses are coming back. So this is the best time of year by far and away. It's kicking off and looking forward to see. I know Fang Girl is in the market at the moment. I'm very interested to see her come back this year because I'd imagine she is Chris Boller's Epsom horse. So big watch on her as she comes back. All right. Uh, just on uh, the Winks all-in market. So Animo is a 250. Well, this is a pre-noms market, I should say. Pre-noms. Noms will be out, to, they'll be out shortly, won't they, guys? Uh, nominations, 11 o'clock. So if you wanted to get involved with the pre-noms market, you can, once it does go to all-in. Forbidden Love at $5. Moanga at 8 Jewess, 11 Fangirl, 11 Cascadian, 15 Count the Rupee, 15 Halal, 15 Hinged, 15 Nimalee, 15 Profondo at $15 also. Then you've got Ellsberg, Gemsong, Gold Trip, Huetta, Ice Bath, etc. That's for the Wink Stakes. Um, you've also got a market I see open uh, for the following week in Melbourne, the Memsey. Um, and that's on the 27th. And again, that prenoms market has horses like Tofane, I'm Thunderstruck, Snap Dancer, Mr. Brightside, Western Empire, Lombardo, Behemoth. Gee, Behemoth was disappointing on the weekend, guys. Mm, he was. I'd be interested to see if there's anything wrong with him because he sort of come out of the barriers sideways and never really let down. Just one thing on the wing stakes, if people are interested, um, the bit in love spoke to Michael Friedman on Saturday morning at the track, and he he was um, he was very forgiving of the first up run. He said he said it only had a it had a um, a poly track trial, and he said that probably didn't bring it on as much as he thought it would, and probably needed that run. So expect a big leap forward from um, Forbidden Love. If you can forgive it, if you weren't on it, and you can forgive it for its first up win, you know it's been it's been the, it was the horse of the autumn around the four, around the seven furlong, furlong market, um, Ramwick. So um, might be one that probably is. I know it's found in the market, but might might be a bit better than its price at the moment. What do you what do you do with her going forward, Chris? Because she was queen of the swap form, and she might not be. If we get a firmer track on the weekend, is she actually any chance? Yeah, that's the that's the interesting one because she, um, I think, uh, it's there's a big, a big correlation when you go through autumn form. Horses, the only really really good horses win three um, Group Ones during the autumn, and she she had a chance to do it and couldn't do it. So in the all age, so I just think uh, um, Doncaster, sorry. I just think she's one of those horses that everyone's going to be a bit wary of, but on a on a soft on a softer track, she's right in any of these races up to about seven furlongs. I don't think she runs a mile on what I've seen. I think she she just struggles to get the mile, but around seven furlongs, and there's plenty of Group Ones at seven furlongs for these horses in the spring here and in Melbourne. You know, you can you you could um, see her winning another race. Horses to follow, gents, before we get to our preview of New South Wales Racing. Simon, I'll, I'll get you guys to text these through to me too. I'll send a message in a moment. But what are we uh, putting out on the socials this afternoon, mate? Yeah, well, the uh, the caller who tipped in, stole my thunder with no compromise, he would be one to follow. I'll give you three. Uh, surefire, definitely. I reckon once we get out and trip, no compromise. And I'm a little concerned with the last quick tempo that, Saturday was his race in terms of to run a new peak. Obviously, Shades of Rose is really impressive and he missed the start, but that horse is absolutely airborne, quick tempo, and I think he can pick up a race. I'm just hoping that 
it was meant to be Saturday in terms of when he was well set up on the quick backup. But I think that horse is absolutely airborne. And if he gets his barrier manners right, he can certainly win a race at that level. Chris? Yeah, he, was, he was very good, wasn't he? But it, it just might be at the wrong time of year. He's going yeah. to run into a lot of good horses coming back now. Um, I, I'm with I'm with Shawfire. I just think um, he can be followed wherever he, wherever he goes. I don't know what price he is in a Caulfield Cup now, but... Um, he he was very good. I think Chris Chris is very. Uh, I was I was amazed when he was at fourteen hundred meters. To see him win was incredible. I think he's he's a he's a real talent and going forward. Hoping your heart for you, Mitch. I, I, I just can't get away from it. I thought it was a lot shorter. It should have been a lot shorter in the market than sixteen to one. So uh, a lot of people use SP profile and things like that, which is a great great um, market tool, but. If you have one that you think shorter should be shorter and it runs a race like that, you can tack on a must bet to it next start. And Mitch? Yeah, um, I'm going to... Well, this is bad, isn't it? Because I'm also... Uh, one of mine will be surefire. He's second favourite for the Caulfield Cup now, Chris, um, of the strength of the weekend at $15, just behind uh, Dewis. He's the $11 favourite. But yeah, I'm happy to follow him wherever he goes. Obviously, it was over a unsuitable trip on on Saturday and he, and he come from back in the field, which they just weren't really doing on the day um, and won pretty well. Um, the other one I'm, I'm keen to stay with, I think he'll win a nice race this prep, is, is Raging Bull. Um, he was first up on Saturday over 1,800 metres with 61 kilos and um, yeah, it's a, I'm just hoping the run on Saturday doesn't flatten him, but um, look, I think he can only improve off that. Um, with a bit less weight off his back, I know David Payne was talking about Metropolitans after after Saturday. Whether he can win a Metropolitan, I don't know, but I think he's got a, a certainly got a nice race in him at, at some stage of preparation. Sensational, gentlemen. Thank you very much for being a part of Putters Postmortem today. Enjoy your Monday ahead and look forward to hopefully trying to back a winner later in the week. Perfect. Thanks, mate. Sensational. Simon Thanks. 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 Thanks